Rock Salt Radio. Be afraid also, tremendously afraid, for the day of reckoning is upon us. Broadcasting from within our six feet social distance. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. Well, me and the Lord. Love that flick of the Zippo. I don't understand it. <laughs> We're on a mission from God. On a mission from God, it's Aaron and Dave on the Rock Salt Musecast Experience. We're putting the band back together. Forget it. No way. We're on a mission from God. On a mission from God, and this week we've got a very special guest. Putting the band back together. Ma'am, you gotta understand that this is a lot bigger than any domestic problems you might be experiencing. Would it make you feel any better if you knew that what we're asking Matthew to do is a holy thing? You see, we're on a mission from God. Yeah, it's uh, Matt Sassino from Sassano. Tennessee. Sassano from Tennessee. Yep. Then you lied to me about the band. Now you're gonna put me right back in the joint. They're not gonna catch us. We're on a mission from God. And uh, we're going to, oh, hey, fresh off Ghostbusters Afterlife. Maybe we'll talk about that, too. 106 miles to Chicago. we got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. And uh, all the trailers for the new movies coming up. Yeah, there were some good ones. Yeah. Lord works in mysterious ways. Mm-hmm. Yep. Strike up the band, Sal. There he is. Your friend of mine, Sal Policetti. Yes. Yeah, I looked at my watch. It was like 30 minutes of trailers. <laughs> not, not all the movies I wanted to see, but uh, definitely there were some movies I wanted to see. I, I'm going to take a pass on the Channing Tatum dog movie. But my wife is super excited about that one because <laughs> it's got Channing Tatum and dogs. And uh, I, hey, it's like they went into the uh, into the room with the movie producers and they went, "I got it. We're gonna get every woman hooked right here." <laughs> Channing Tatum and dogs, and and uh, and the movie company was like, "Here, just take my money." <laughs> It's a, it's a formula that works. <laughs> well, welcome, everybody, to the uh, new edition, new episode of Rock Salt Newscast Experience. If you'd like to contact us or reach us, it's uh, rocksaltradio at gmail.com or Instagram or Facebook. Uh, so any one of those. And uh, please listen on your favorite podcast platform. Yeah, and all so, of them. We're yeah, on all of them. Almost all of them. You know, we don't want to beg, but we will. Um, please. Uh, <laughs> Ain't too please. proud to beg. Yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, we're going to talk about Afterlife, the go- new Ghostbusters. Yeah, I don't want to give anything away. I, no. I really don't want to get into the details of the movie. But, uh, yeah, we went and saw Ghostbusters Afterlife last night. That was cool. And uh, we got Matt Sassano on today. Uh, yeah, to Mr. talk, Sassy Pants. Mr. Sassy Pants to talk about uh, uh all things Matt Sassano. Yes. So he's got some exciting stuff going on. And uh, what else are we going to get to today? We're going to flash back to 1992. 1992. Yeah. All right. That's uh, the year I met my wife. Is it? It is. Wow. Yes. A great Febu- year. February of, well, it was actually kind of January, but it was late January, early February, 92. 92. Yeah. And so, 
Yeah. Um, I enjoyed the movie last night. Yeah, it was Very fun. Good. We saw it last night. Oh, I was so excited. We, we, me and my wife kind of did a review. We watched uh, the first Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters yesterday afternoon before in the evening we went and saw it. So, Well, that would help with the yeah. storyline. Yeah, because I don't really remember it. So, yeah, that uh, would help with the storyline in Afterlife if you go back and watch the first one. So Definitely. All right. For music, what do we got coming up, Aaron? Well, uh, this band's going to do a documentary. And so I thought we would uh, open the show with Striper. All right. Uh, they'll be doing their own documentary, which will be fantastic. Yes, it will. All right. So here's Striper on the Rock Salt Musecast Experience. What's up, everyone? This is Ryan from Reborn, and you're listening to the Rock Salt Musecast Experience with Aaron and Dave. Rocksaw Musecast Experience with Aaron and Dave. And uh, on the line, Aaron, from Knoxville, Tennessee, it's uh, Sassy Pants himself. <laughs> <laughs> Matt Sassano. <laughs> What's going on, guys? The live studio audience for yeah. you there, brother. Sassano, that, um, uh, is that a, Italian? Yes, it is okay. actually an Italian name. And uh, and, and uh, I don't know where Sassy Pants came from, but Sassano is definitely <laughs> an Italian name. Uh, I guess it means strength or whatever. That's something that I just recently discovered, and it's kind of along the narrative of my life, man, just displaying that strength and everything. Um, but, yeah, man. So uh, out there in Knoxville, Tennessee, and we, we, we kind of – Aaron and I both kind of found you at the same time in different ways. I, uh, <laughs> I was on Facebook, and I, I ran across a Facebook page for Faith, right? Oh, Elizabeth, yes. Elizabeth, Elizabeth Faith? Is Faith in the name? Yes. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> I'm really bad with names, but uh, um, and uh, I I said, Aaron, you gotta you gotta check this woman out, and then uh, he's like, Oh, I've been listening to Matt and kind of yeah. all at the same time. How it's do you been know? Kind of cool. It's I, been kind of a cool little thing because uh, you know she, like I said, we we've, we've been friends for a year or so now. And she also does her own music project called Azariah and stuff. And I guess we just run common paths. So, uh, listeners of me listen to her and, and it's been a, a really cool thing. Um, this is kind of on the record. She's my girlfriend now. So we, we've, we've been dating for the last three weeks. We go way back. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> The newlyweds, Aaron. <laughs> um, so you were on tour with Seven Day Slumber, um, absolutely. Man. We've seen. Yeah, them a how was times. the tour? Yeah, it was. It, how was that? Oh man, it was like I said, it was a dream come true. Because since I was 17 years old, in in my little town of Canisteo, New York, I, I'm originally from upstate New York, moved to Knoxville in 2014. But you know, I've been a music fan for as long as I can remember, and I remember they had this thing back in the day called. Uh, TVU and Radio U back when Sky Angel, you know, ran a lot of rock and roll programming. And so I'd be sitting there when I was 17 years old and uh, just watching, you know, watching seven day slumber videos, just hoping and dreaming that someday I'd be on a tour with, with, you know, really Christian rock legends like that. And so to see that years and years later, when I came from such a small town with really like no hope of that happening was just an amazing experience. Um, you know, Joe heard my story 
Um, I've been affiliated with the rock scene for quite a while. I do, uh, also I do interviews for this thing called rock on purpose. So a lot of people have, aside from my music, know me from my, my interviewing. And when Joe and I, you know, kind of started talking and everything, he heard my story and he was like, Hey man, let's just bring you along. And, and uh, I was just, just dumbfounded by it. And uh, we started off in Westville, Oklahoma and the tour ended. Uh, I mean, the first leg of the tour ended in, in Cookville, Tennessee, close to home. So we've just been all over the place, man. And it has been, we've seen some crazy things, man, from, from, you know, lives being changed. The whole theme of the tour is called the hope and recovery tour. And so we've talked to a lot of people that are recovering from like drug issues and recovering from, I, I talked to a, a, a army vet who was struggling. He got hurt uh, in the line of duty and he couldn't hold down a job. And so he was talking to me about his depression and uh yeah so there's been a lot of great things happening on the tour and uh aside from that like one one of the standout nights is like on the tour it was crazy because everybody wanted me to sign everything from their foreheads to their their <laughs> shoes man we just had a really good blast out there man and, and really touching lives in a lot of ways and just having a blast awesome yeah you just came off of that tour like literally days ago right yeah. Yeah. We, uh, the tour ended, I want to say, yeah, December we go back. So we're, we're right now currently on like kind of a, a Thanksgiving break and, uh, I've just been catching up on, you know, Disney plus and watching Hulu <laughs> <laughs> and trying to, trying to, you know, trying to squeeze in a little bit of production or productivity in there somewhere, but we've been doing, I've been catching up on a lot of, you know, movies and hanging out. And then we go back out in December and the first date I think is in Tennessee, we're doing some prison stuff. So like stuff for prisons and, Oh wow. Um, oh, that's great. To, yeah. So it's, it's really cool. Cause I know with Joe's background and everything, he, he kind of, uh, he kind of like specializes in print prison ministry. Um, so it's going to be great. My, my story is kind of more along the lines of suffering with disabilities and, and uh, being bullied for, for my life. And, and that's kind of where my song, Not My Name, came from. It's just, you know, my life was heavily about being labeled and struggling with disabilities. I have cerebral palsy, and I also have another dis disability called dyscalculia. And so my life, from the get-go, the odds were kind of against me. So how does that... Uh... How does that work into you writing music and performing music? I mean, is there is there a hindrance there? Is there any obstacle you have to overcome? Um, well, reluctantly, writing music is like the only thing I'm good at. So, <laughs> I mean, um, it, it, that is the one thing that really kind of stuck. I mean, um, there's been hindrances in my daily life. Even now, I'm, I'm fairly dependent on family. Like, I can't drive. I can't uh, run a register, like a cash register. Like this calcula um, infringes upon a lot of just different things. It's like a, a spatial a spatial disability where it's like, I can't, uh, you know, I get lost easily. So I wasn't diagnosed with it till up, up until I was 19. And uh, throughout school, I'd just be getting lost. I couldn't pass a math test to save my life. Um, so there was a lot of educational problems. And I spent my life in like special ed classes and, and, and going through that kind of a system where it just kind of was increasingly hopeless for a lot of kids. Uh, and 
you know, the, the odds of me doing this are amazing because of all the things that I can't do, you know, God's really blessed this opportunity and, and I'm, I'm here now. So it's, it's crazy, man, because you, you grow up kind of just being labeled. People diminish you when you have a disability. They, they expect less of your life. I'm, I've been in like these disability meetings where, you know, it's the most depressing thing you'll ever experience where you're in a room and they're talking about what you're going to do. And, you know, you're, you're having to kind of be faced with all your limitations. And I'm like, I, you know, and, and now I'm here, you know, with seven day slumber doing my thing, but coming up, I'm like, man, I'm going to be a musician. And that is crazy for anyone. So like, right. You know, growing up with disabilities and being looked at as this kid, that's like, just like a dreamer and, you know, and yeah, yeah, he might do something, but it's not going to be that. Like, that's kind of how I, yeah, yeah. I mean, one time I was in school and I told this, this teacher that I was going to be a musician. And this was before I even picked up an instrument. And she just kind of was like, yeah, we can all dream, honey. So I've been, <laughs> she just kind of laughed at me. So I've been, you know, like I said, uh, diminished and, and labeled my whole life. And just to be here, I'm very grateful that God's opened this opportunity because the chances of this for anyone is, is yeah. pretty serious. You know, I, I got to throw in, I get lost all the time. <laughs> I mean, it's legend, oh, it's legend and folklore of uh, all the times I get lost. <laughs> oh, man. Those are stories yeah. for another day, but yeah. Well, you know, I'll, I'll tell you a quick one. I was, um, I was up in Oregon with a friend of mine and um, I was working in San Francisco at the time. So living in Sacramento, I would always get on the what 101 North to head home. And yeah. so we were up in, in Eugene, Oregon, and we wanted to head home. And I started heading north. And my friend said, hey, the GPS says we should be going the other way. And I went, ah, that thing screwed up. It doesn't know what it's talking about. I always go <laughs> north to go home. And we drove for like another hour north. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Until dude, my yeah, friend man. said, hey, shouldn't the ocean be on the other side of the car? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, yeah. I mean, dude, for me, directions have been so crazy and like, um, like I said, I just get lost everywhere I go. And, um, the funny thing was on the first date of the tour, I was traveling with faith that, you know, and she actually knowing that I was kind of directionally challenged, decided to pull a prank on me. And I just kind of was, you know, zoned into the road trip. She's driving cause I can't drive. And, uh, like, like we, we pull over and she's like, Oh no, we're five hours away from our destination. The show was like in a half hour. I was like, are you kidding me? She Were you like, like no. sweating? Oh. So, yeah, she got me good. She doesn't think that I'll get her back, but there is a vengeance coming her way. <laughs> <laughs> Had well, me in a heart attack, man. <laughs> well, speaking of funny, how did you come up with Matthew Sassy Pants as your Facebook uh, page? How did okay, that all come out? So this is the origin story of that tale. Um, when I was like, just, you know, doing music in the local scene, I had a, a band page and then I had my personal page. Right. And so you'd get to these like clubs or venues or whatever it is. And, and the venue owners would expect you to, um, to promote their events. And so I would do most of the promoting on my, my, my 
uh, band page, which was Matt Sassano at the time. And then I had my personal page at the time, which was Matt Sassano. So the, the band booker was getting all angry and up in arms. He's like, man, you know, we've got this event coming up and I haven't seen you do any posting about this event. And, uh, so what ended up happening was I was like, dude, you're looking on the wrong page. You got to look at my band page. So to separate the two, uh, I just kind of threw it out there on a status. I was like, what should I call my regular page in order to separate the band page from my regular page. And somebody pitched sassy pants, Matthew sassy pants. And I was going to change it after 90 days, you know, you get that 90 day window, but everybody kind of got a kick out of it and it was too late. So now I have officially uh, been dubbed Matthew sassy pants. And now my fan base uh, or, you know, the people that listen to me are now known as the sassy pantsers because that's just, <laughs> <laughs> that's just how it went, man. I was like, all right. And um, everywhere I go, like, it's almost like a secret alias. They're like, dude, are you okay? Are you Matthew sassy pants? They, I'm like, that's, that's me. I'm also Matt Sassano, the musician. So, yeah. <laughs> well, well, that's, <laughs> It's like uh, skillet pan heads, I guess. You got these sassy yeah. panners out there. You, <laughs> speaking of skillet, you did a cover of uh, Monster. Absolutely, man. And, and yeah, it was nominated I, for a Grizzly Award um, and everything. Uh, why'd you choose that song to cover? Oh, man. You know, from the time I can remember, um, skillet has been a huge, huge influence on me. And I just love their that particular, you know, song, because it was one of those songs, monster being kind of an underground panhead for years. That album was the one that uh, got them the hugest recognition. And it was cool to see from somebody who had listened to skillet since like 1996, when they came out uh, to now to see them kind of ascend to, through the ranks into, and, you know, John's ministry now uh, extends from the Christian market into the secular market. They're doing huge things. So I just wanted to kind of pay tribute and do something different with the song that kind of had my style, but wouldn't disappoint any of the panheads. So I was like, I wonder if we could do kind of a gritty Rocky EDM version of this song and not make anybody mad. But yeah, from the, from the time I was, you know, coming up, I mean, I think it was that I was at a skillet concert in like, I want to say 2008. And I turned to my mom after seeing skillet on stage. And I was like, you know, I really want to, I really want to pursue music and everything. And, uh, that was kind of the thing that I've always wanted to, but the, the seeing them and how amazing their show was and just how, uh, just how enthusiastic the panheads were, just got me thinking like, I, I want to do this for my life's career. And, and it kind of started that trajectory in a serious way. Like you've, I've always dabbled and I've always like, even before I played an instrument or sang a note, I've always said like, I want to do music, but seeing skill at live for the first time was just like, all right, let's, let's start putting the groundwork in, you know what I mean? And, and from there, I've just been project to project. And for the last three years been doing this solo thing and it's been amazing skillet was a huge influence. They're definitely a great live band. Oh, they're, they're, they're great amazing. to see live. His energy, Absolutely. his uh, Absolutely. John's energy is tremendous. Yeah. Well, know. all of them really. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah, man. And it's, it's just been awesome. Like, I mean, I've, I've gone to see him maybe about three times and, uh, 
yeah, they never, they never disappoint, man. You, you know, it's like, there's little, little, like any band, like there's rare bands that can match the energy and the theatrics and just the, like I said, when, when John hits you with his message, you're ready for it. Cause you've been riled up the whole time. You know, we've all been to those concert, this concerts that, you know, you might catch a good one, you might catch a bad one, but John and, and skillet just routinely never disappoint. And so I, I was just, I was pumped about it. Cause I, I'd been a fan for a long time, but, um, you know how sometimes you'll listen to a band and kind of take a break for a few years and come back. Yep. Well, we just, we were at like a kingdom bound festival in 2008. And my friend was like, let's go check out skillet. And I was like, yeah, let's, let's do it. I thought it would be good, but I didn't know it was going to be insanely good. Like it was just, it blew my mind. Yeah. See now I uh, got turned on to skillet when I was living in Colorado back in like, I don't know, 2012, something like that. And, um, I, I thought they were okay. I was listening to them on the radio. I thought they were okay. Yeah. And, uh, but uh, there's a big rock festival they do out here in Sacramento called Aftershock. And uh, yeah. they were on this rock festival, and I'd never seen them. And I, I didn't, I mean, I knew of them. I didn't really know their music. But I went, eh, I'm going to go check out Skillet. And I was hooked. It's totally yeah. hooked. Yeah. And, I mean, that was a 45-minute set, 40-minute set on a, on a huge rock festival. And I, I don't know, I've probably seen them four or five times. Yeah, man. It was like, I don't know. I liked their, their music from way back in the day, but when they started kind of reinventing their sound and, and, uh, doing different things, uh, that's when it really started hooking me along the lines of, or along the era of like the comb or not comatose Clyde era. Yeah. So like, you know, and, and it's been cool. Cause, um, I was, I mentioned, I did rock rock interviews off the air with with artists and things and i actually got the chance i think it was last year to interview Lori peters who was the drummer during the clyde era of oh, really? so that was really yeah we got to chat and kind of catch up and uh she's really really down to earth and cool and she actually also did a collab with you know faith azariah she she did the drum track on uh faith song warriors oh wow so He's kind of a friend of ours. You That's know? cool. Yeah, that is cool. You know, uh, uh, yeah, they're just one of those solid bands. Now, you were uh, mentioning the EDM kind of side of Monster that you did, you know, the take you did on their song. And that was always one of the things that kind of disappointed me about Skillet was just about the time they would get into something really cool techno, they'd turn yeah. it off. They'd turn it <laughs> yeah, off. Yeah, man. And they, it's they, like, they, oh, they no, take it further. <laughs> <laughs> they kind of, you know, they they kind of weren't afraid to experiment. And that's the thing I love about, you know, bands, man. Like, when you look at Skillet, when you look at Linkin Park, they were, you know, they were never afraid to evolve with time. And I've kind of gotten to that point. Like, I started out in these underground rock projects with like five piece bands. And it was kind of along the lines of like, you know, breaking Benjamin and skillet. But like, since I've gone solo, I linked up with a, a producer named Colton Carnley, um, uh, from Knoxville here. And his, his thing was like EDM and very, very electronic. And my thing was rock. So when we combined our sounds, we kind of came up with something that was a little different. And then now, recording with Josiah, it's kind of going back a little bit more toward the rock 
So there's just a huge eclectic mix of music. And a lot of the stuff that I was doing as a solo artist was just throwing things at the wall and seeing what stuck. Like, let's try a EDM song. Let's try a rock song. Let's try a pop song. Let's try a, you know, electronic song that rock fans won't hate. So it was just like a bunch of different things. And now um, it feels like I'm getting closer and closer to the sound that I want to be. And, and Josiah has been a huge uh, influence on that end. So nice. I love bands that are just willing to experiment and try new things and never get stale. I mean, when you look at Lincoln park from the beginning, they were heavy and their last album was like kind of more pop. So I like the eclectic eclectic nature of, uh, you know, bands like Skillet and Lincoln Park that just kind of never get stale. All right. Well, uh, I wanted to play some music here. What do you got lined up, Aaron? Oh, it's new single, Not My Name. Not My Name. All right. So so we're going to do Not My Name, and uh, we'll come back and we'll talk with uh, Sassy Pants here on the Rock <laughs> Salt Musicast Experience. Hey, everybody. This is Jenny from the band Saving Jackie, and you're listening to Rock Salt Musicast Experience with Aaron and Dave. It's the Rock Salt Musecast Experience with Aaron and Dave, and we have on the Zoom call Matt Sassy Pants or Sassano. <laughs> uh, that's uh, that's about as big as the crowd that you have on tour, right? <laughs> Dude, that's that's been it's been pretty crazy, man. It's been awesome, and uh, yeah, you guys really really recreated that experience for me. So <laughs> I'm glad I could do that for you, brother. <laughs> hey, out of the, out of the first uh, conversation bit of a conversation we had we played uh, not my name so how'd that client that new song song come about uh for years and years man i've kind of wanted to write a song about people that are struggling with disabilities and uh you know there are songs like that but a lot of them come from the place of like somebody who maybe never faced those kind of things like i said i grew up with cerebral palsy and another disability called dyscalculia. So a lot of my life had, had to do with overcoming disabilities and all the songs that I've heard about it sounded like Olympic themes or they, they, they kind of struck, they try to be overly inspirational, but it doesn't really approach the reality of what it's like to live with disabilities and be labeled. So, um, I've wanted to write one for years. I just couldn't figure out how the heck to go about it to make it sound genuine and to really, you know, do it in a way that approached that reality. So um, when I got in studio with Josiah, we were planning to do five songs and that was not initially one of the songs that we were planning to do. Um, what had happened was I, I had another song that I was going to bring in and it just dawned on me one night, man, I was just laying there in my, in my bed. I'm like, you know, we talk about my disability so much and that's kind of a repeated theme in my life. Why do not, why don't I have a song that kind of talks about that? And so, um, I kind of wrote Josiah last minute. I'm like, Hey man, I know we've got like a couple weeks. Um, but I'm going to try my best to write a song that goes out to people with disabilities and we're going to try to make this work. And, Weirdly enough, man, usually when I write a song, it takes about a month from top to bottom because I'm a really stickler for lyrics. But this thing came together in like two weeks. I went in with a verse and a pre-course, and then I was like, okay, this is the idea for the chorus and kind of pitched some ideas to Josiah. And together we came up with that chorus. So label me and call me by my pain, but that's not my name. I'm so much more than your throwaway. That's not my name. And really that was kind of 
what took off is the course and the song, like I said, I think we nailed it with approaching what it's like to kind of be the person with disabilities or the black sheep. I mean, it is about people with disabilities, but it also kind of goes out to the black sheep of people, you know, if people feel like black sheep to their uh, communities, to their friends, among their peers, even in their church, man, you, you know, you, you run into people that are the, those black sheep that nobody really understands. So that's what I wanted to get across and not my name. And I think we've accomplished that. What is, uh, how does that process come about where you hook up with Josiah Prince and you, uh, know which songs you want to bring in and him, I mean, have you given him a tape of some of your stuff or how does, how does that whole pro I've always wondered that. How does the whole process come about when you got somebody like Josiah Prince and you know, his time's valuable, the studio time's valuable. You're like, it's gotta be nerve wracking that, you know, you're under yeah. this pressure. Um, yeah. So at, like I had been doing, like I said, rock on purpose interviews and stuff like that with different bands and artists. So I've kind of established myself in the scene as not only a musician, but kind of an interviewer. So there was little pockets of people that have heard of me and, and done all that kind of thing. And during the time, you know, my transcend album before not my name count came out was produced by another guy named Colton Carley, a very talented um, producer here in Knoxville. And, um, it got to the point where we just were on great terms. We're, we're great friends, but he, he just got busy with, with life. And I was looking for another producer. So I found Josiah, like, I know that Josiah had been working with other bands because he had won a Grizzly award for uh, producer of the year. So I got in contact with him. I kind of, we set up a Skype meeting and talked and I told him about my story and, um, basically we outlined that we were going to bring five songs in the studio. I kind of picked five of the ones that I thought were going to be amazing and, you know, really start things off in a great way. Uh, and you know, basically he just, you know, what I do is I just, I pitch him influences. So I'll say, you know, um, can I have a little flair of star set in this, in this particular song? I want this song to kind of sound like a Lincoln park song. So what we'll do is we'll take, influences and vibes and just you know attach my lyrics to them and and, and you know it, it's a little bit more involved in that sometimes i'll take a song from a another artist and write my own melodies to their progression and then we just flip it around you'd never be able to tell it was influenced by that and so i'll be like all right i want it like lincoln park i want it like this and that and so we'll be in the studio just like you know, uh, passion through influences and writing little vocal melodies. Most of the time, the song, by the time it gets to Josiah is already almost pretty much done. Um, but we'll, we'll tweak things every here and there. And, and, uh, you know, I'll already go in with like a set, like, okay, this is Lincoln park numb. Let's try to do something along those lines, but kind of add my own flair to it. Does uh, it, I'm just curious. I'm truly curious about this whole process. So is there ever a point where you like, you've got a song that you just think is the greatest ever and you lay it down and he's like, dude, I'm not feeling it, man. This is not the one. <laughs> oh man. Well, reluctantly, man, there's not been any uh, of that at all with Josiah, man. Um, it, it's, it, I'm lucky that way, I guess, man, because I've heard people say like, you know, he's changed a lot of our lyrics. He's, he's, you know, he's very dedicated to his work, but, um, luckily like 
by the grace of God, I never got my ego deflated by Josiah. <laughs> <laughs> not yet, Dave. Not yet. <laughs> Sorry, I don't want to, you know, I'm not going wood here. I don't want to jinx anything. Um, but before before I got um, before I got in with Josiah, a guy that really did train me and and really did do the whole uh, boot camp thing was a guy named Travis Wyrick. I recorded with him, and he is the guy that you he I love him to death. But it's a running joke, even with, uh, you know, the disciple guys that he, he can be a stickler. So yeah. he's the guy that kind of helped me put me through boot camp and I'd be coming out of his booth, crying tears every day. And he'd be like, <laughs> so by the time I got to Josiah, go on, get out of here, sassy pants, <laughs> go write me a good song. Yeah. Dude, he would be that guy, man. He'd be like, I'd be like, I'd be like singing something and he'd be like, really? Is that, is that your best? You know, and so I'd be but a good tears. And- a good producer challenges you. Absolutely, man. Yeah. A good producer yeah. isn't a yes man. A good producer challenges you to be better. Oh, oh yeah. And and when I was with Travis, like I said, man, he, he challenged everything. He would he would challenge lyrics. He would you know, even the way I dress. Like I came from upstate New York not knowing anything about you know i used to wear these Bodie huge osiris shoes that were like bright yellow i walked into <laughs> his studio he's like hey man like when you go perform do you want people looking at your feet or do you want them looking at you he's like you gotta ditch those shoes bro and so like i got <laughs> it took me back to high school being bullied but like it really, <laughs> it did really he throw you up against the wall man <laughs> Get in the locker. Throw you up against the wall. He's like, man. He's like, <laughs> he's like, you sound like a choir boy, man. I want you to sound like Red. He's like, you know, he's like, you. That's awesome. Hey, I. Um, you see Michael Barnes up there? You know, he doesn't sound like. <laughs> <laughs> um, there is a a void of techno slash rock music in the Christian industry. Have you noticed that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's one of those things that I kind of want to challenge is like just doing something, doing something new, man. I love, I love all styles of music. I love techno, uh, really the, the techno vibe in a lot of our stuff was because like I said, Colton Carnley, who had produced me before Josiah was very much into, uh, EDM and techno. So when his techno and all that influence met my rock influence. We kind of put our styles together and kind of fashioned this whole new sound, um, which, which I think is really eclectic and cool, but there, there definitely needs to be a little bit more variety in today's Christian music, man. I mean, definitely because you know, I, I'm, I'm a fan of, uh, I go way back. I'm a fan of pet shop boys, uh, as far as like synth music mm-hmm. and uh, I, you know, I'm a fan of DJ Kiyoki on the, you know, on the, yeah. you know, on the mixing side and all that, you know, I like some of that stuff and I, I think it really would fit well with rock music. And as I said, Skillet does it great, but they just give you a taste and then they go, nope, no more for you. <laughs> <laughs> no yeah, techno I mean, for you. You know, it's one of those bands that, man, that they, they're amazing, but they've definitely got like, you know, a lot of people speaking in their ear from labels and, oh, yeah. and all these things. They're like, man, cut this, make this shorter. Not that much techno. Like that is just a, I could imagine that that kind of responsibility when you get into that big of a, of a, a music space is a lot, but um, really it is. It's for me, 
it was like, like I said, I came from a rock background with five piece bands and everything like that. So my electronic bend actually came when I wanted to go solo. Cause I noticed like, okay, we don't have five guitarists up here. So if I make songs that are guitar driven all the way through, people are going to look at me like I'm funky, you know, like right. I'm a, so a lot of the techno influence came from like, how do we pack the intensity of rock without using what sounds like a five piece band up there for the most part. Right. Uh, when you're writing songs, do you write for yourself or do you write for what you think other people like? Uh, I think it's a mix of both, man. So what I'll typically do, this is kind of my writing process is I'll listen to a song that really inspires me in a big way or a progression. So I'll, I'll listen to, you know, bring me the horizon, something like that. And I'll, I'll listen to the, to the, to the instrumental and I'll go, okay, this is kicking around these thoughts and I'll have this huge piece of paper and I'll just start writing, uh, a topic that's on my mind. Like, okay, this song is about forgiveness. So I'd be like, all right, this is what makes it hard to forgive. This is, and I'll just write quotes. I'll, I'll, I'll research YouTube videos about other people's experiences with like, you know, abandonment or whatever they're dealing with. And then I'll kind of apply it to my life as well. And I'll find the best way of making that song. I'll find the best way of making that song about me, but also as universal as it can get. So it's like, it casts a wide note. So like a wide web, like web. So like, and not my name, for instance, you know, I've been labeled and, and bullied my entire, my entire life, but there's also those people that have gone through that same thing. It's almost like you're writing, you're writing for you, but you're also, a huge part of songs and what makes them powerful is the ability of the listener to, 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 um, see themselves through your writing. When you're listening to a song, you care less about what the singer's going through. You're going like, Oh my God, that related to me, man. That that's my story right there. So it's kind of a fair mix of like, if you write your genuine heart, but you're also, uh, aware enough to like cast your web out there, people will go, Oh, Oh my God. Like I've been labeled. Oh my God. Like I feel so numb Lincoln park, you know? Right. Um, and so it's, it's a mix of staying true to your experience, but also considering that there's a huge amount of people that may feel the same way. Cool. Yeah. That's a little writing one Oh one. Well, you talked about, um, you went into the studio for five new songs when are the fans going to be able to hear those uh, new tunes? Okay. So not my name just was released on November 19th and uh, you can go and stream that on Spotify. I'm always pushing people to go and check it out on Spotify. I'm trying to up my listenership on there. Um, Dear God will be the next single that we release. There's not a definitive date yet, but that song will probably be second on the roster um, and that song is basically a song about when I was going through my dark times and, um, you know, facing a lot of the isolation and disabilities. And even a, I, I was raised in a pastor's home where there was a lot of abuse going on. Um, so I would be that kid that would just be sitting up in his room and just feeling really isolated. So I would write letters to God and I would say, you know, I would vent my frustrations. I would just try to like, get those things out there. And every letter that I wrote to God was, you know, it started with dear God. So I wrote a song based on the letters that I wrote to God in my times of isolation and depression. 
Oh wow! And that'll be the yeah. That'll That's be the pretty next cool, song. actually. I like that idea. Oh, thank you, man. Yeah, it was like a big old like a prayer journal that I had started, and I'd be like, God, why did you? You know, you'd vent your frustrations. You would, you know, talk about like all these different struggles that you were going through. And I did that for a period of maybe five years. And um, really, the song "Dear God" is a tribute to all those letters that I had written. Wow. I, I'm actually looking forward to that. It's going to be good, man. Yeah, I, I kind of uh, debuted those two. I, I debuted that on the tour. So I did play that song on the cool. tour with Seventh Day Slumber, and a lot of people were connecting with it and everything. So it's been it's been cool. And then the next song after that, um, I think, I don't know if this is the order of it, but there's a song called Break the Silence that's coming out. And that's just basically talking about, like, uh, in a world of, everything going on right now, man, you know, uh, political division, um, you know, all these lockdowns, people start to feel like they they've lost their power, man. But it really is that one voice can really ignite change. If we really understood the power of who we were as people and, and what we could do and our potential, um, we would find that, uh, you know, we war against, uh, not flesh and blood, but of principalities and powers in that sense. But we also, you know, like there needs to be people that are out there as Christians taking a stand and, and in a really big way about everything that's going on in the world. So Break the Silence will be one of those songs that comes out and it's basically just talking about knowing who you are and knowing your power as an individual and fighting against, um, you know, I don't know how, how conspiracy you get, but globalism, man, fighting yeah. against... Uh, globalism, all that kind of stuff. And that's kind of the next song is just a self-empowering, you know, uh, spiritual warfare um, song that I hope people can connect to. Well, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting. Uh, as you were saying that this kind of started running through my head, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, you know, I was bullied in school growing up uh, pretty pretty bad my bullies lived on each end of my street and you you mentioned it a few times because of your uh cerebral palsy um and uh, to a degree i think everybody's kind of bullied at some point in their mm -hmm. life but um so everyone can relate but on different levels but mm -hmm. it makes you if you can persevere and get through it it makes you tougher on the other side you got a tougher skin you put it behind you you're like ah you know, yeah. when somebody says something negative to me, I'm like, ah, whatever. Yeah. I've yeah. heard worse, man. <laughs> you, yeah, you're going to have to come man. back at me much harder than that. Um, yes. And yeah. but it, it ties into what you're saying, which is one voice. All you got to do is stand up for yourself and and Absolutely. another person's going to stand with you and so on and so forth. And uh, there's strength in numbers, but it starts Absolutely. with one. Absolutely, man. It's like, you know, I'm not, you know, the whole bullying narrative in my, in my, um, my last song is just, it really is just about, you know, standing up for, you know, being that person that stands up. Like I, I know that, um, uh, for the tour, for the seven day slumber tour, one of the things that people always notice about me is like, I, I made this hoodie that I wear before the performance of not my name. And it has all these drop, like, you know, all these, crazy terms 
uh, it says like I, I put I put like loser on the front of it, and then I put like retard on the back of it, and all these labels that the people have put on me. Oh wow! I put on like a hoodie, and I wear during the performance of not my name, and kind of tell the story. Um, so yeah, like while there is bullying, and while that's something that we need to address, there also I, I admire people that can persevere through it because I've I've obviously been one of those people, and, and the stronger you can be, man. Um, and the more persevering you can be, um, it just, it makes it better. And, and I know for, you know, a lot of the people in the disabled community, I, I developed that sense of humor, but for a lot of them, man, they just, it, they'd get picked on and it would devastate them. Yeah. And, uh, so well, we're for the strong people out there, man, you, we need to stand up for the people that are being disenfranchised and things like that. It takes that strong person to just stand up and say, Hey man, this isn't going to fly. Right. And we got a different kind of bully nowadays. It's cancel culture. Absolutely, man. I got banned from TikTok permanently. Uh, you know, for, I don't even know what I did, but I, I think I'd posted a song. Um, I posted a song and it encouraged a, a stream, a stream of conspiracy people, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I got banned on TikTok. They didn't even give me a warning. They just were like, you're off here right now. So I've been canceled. <laughs> yeah. I've been canceled. Uh, Sassy I'm in, pants is canceled. I, I'm in Facebook jail. So I have, you know, I can, I can see on Facebook, but I can't do anything on Facebook. <laughs> and, I, and I'm a, I'm a repeat offender. This is my third time in the joint. So, oh man, you, me and you go way back, dude. We have our prison stories. Dude, I, I, I was so nervous about releasing a single, uh, not my name, because during that time, uh, I had a 60 day ban, and I was like, hopefully, by the time I release this single, they'll they'll let me out of the old Facebook prison. Yeah. And so, I was crossing my fingers and praying and saying, let's go, Brandon, the whole time. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I I want to I I can't even post our last interview on our Facebook page because I'm locked. You know, it's like sorry oh guys. Gosh. Uh Mark Zuckerberg doesn't like what I said, so <laughs> it's been crazy, man, seeing how they can do that now. It's just like, I mean, back in the day, you could find conspiracy video, you know, I always put some conspiracy in quotes. But you could find videos on that stuff all the time, and they've just locked a whole bunch of YouTube out. They they've really just tried to clean clean us I, out. I was saving this story, uh, you know, for another break, but I'll, I'll tell it since we're we're on the subject. Um, they they hit me with now when I made this comment, part of me went, "You really shouldn't say that." You're probably going to get in trouble. And I went, ah, do it anyways. So um, this one, I probably had the hand slap coming, but the other two, I definitely didn't. So the first one was um, uh, there was a news story, uh, and this was, I don't know, eight months ago, something like that, of a pilot who was flying out of San Francisco, and uh he went on a little bit of a rant about liberals and he couldn't get out of San Francisco fast enough because of the crazy <laughs> liberals there. And he said, Californians are just weird. And I, being a native Californian, I just said, well, he's not wrong. Californians are weird. Oh, <laughs> Facebook jail. I, oh, I was like, man. seriously? And uh, I'm like, I'm quoting the story. All right. So, um, oh, my God. Another, uh, uh, the second time 
was I posted a picture of, um, you know, the, the doctor teeth band from the Muppets. Oh yeah. Yeah. And someone <laughs> asked who, someone asked who the drummer was. And I said, one word, animal <laughs> harassment and bullying. And I went, oh my God. are you kidding me? It's a children's yeah. show. You, you've been targeted, Dave. I know. So uh, oh. this, they, they're watching me, Aaron. Um, so this time, um, I, uh, and like I said, it's it's just me being a joker, but, um, and seeing if I could get a rise out of people, and I did, which is uh, uh, some news agency posted a story with the headline that says, what is the best way to thwart porch pirates and uh, my response was two words shoot them <laughs> and uh, oh man uh, 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 hey don't ask the question if you don't want the answer that's the that's simplest right, way man. to fix the problem <laughs> you shoot a couple of porch pirates uh, they're gonna stop doing that <laughs> dude it, it's crazy because there is no nuance that you can do anymore um like my my stepdad we live on a place close to this uh place called rifle range right so my, my stepdad was posting a location of a place called Rifle Range on Craigslist, and he got banned from Craigslist because <laughs> it, picked up, it picked up the, the word rifle. It's like, I, I cannot believe how, how crazy we've become as a society with the banning and yeah, all these things. And, and, and now I want to I wanna qualify here because I, I don't want to lose my show on Spotify. I'm not encouraging <laughs> anyone to shoot anyone. Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> it was a joke. <laughs> oh my gosh man yeah it's it's crazy but it's great to see people kind of finally you know waking up and you know to the truth man hey uh you know freedom of speech works both ways and it only works if you're offended mm -hmm. i mean that, that's really the only way freedom of speech works if you're offended Absolutely, man. And, and that's what it was founded by. Like a lot of people think like, oh, the freedom of speech is, you know, the ability to talk about the weather. But no, man, it's, it's the ability to talk about very controversial things and um, and, you know, stir up a dialogue. You know, you need to do that. And, and you know, um, you know, there needs to be nuance like me getting up on stage with a big old hoodie that says retard on it is to meant to point out the fact that, you know, people live under labels every day. And, and, and sadly, a lot of people don't have that sense of humor anymore or right. that sense well, of irony to go like, Oh, there's a bigger message here. Like I can tell you, saying, I can tell you right now, if my wife saw that she would go out of her mind, out of oh, her wow. mind, uh, yeah. because she's, she, uh, uh, did a lot of work with Easter seals and, and, uh, developmentally, disabled people and that sort of thing yeah. and uh that is uh you know that's just one of the words you don't say around her yeah absolutely man and I, you know i've also uh worked in developmentally disabled homes and stuff along with just being uh you know labeled that for a lot of my life because i went to special ed classes and and so far everybody on the seven day slumber tour understands you know the irony and where my heart's coming from but there's also those people on social media. When I post that, they'll be like, why do you do this? Why did you, why did you, 
why do you have that on your shirt? You know? And it's just like, dude, people live under labels every day and I'm taking what people perceive as a weakness and trying to make it into a strength, you know? And, um, you know, that's kind of just been my, my thing, this tour. Like I, 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 I introduced the song. I have that hoodie with all the insults on it. And then sometimes I'll forget that I have it on. So after the tour date, I'll stop at like a gas station or something. <laughs> <laughs> and then the, the cashier is looking at me like I just punched her mother. I'm like, I'm sorry. I, this is it's not what it looks like. And then, you, and then you turn around to walk out and they start throwing cups at your back because they see the R word on the back of your Get out of here. Oh, man. I've been canceled down there for, you know, the fill-up station. Yeah, right. <laughs> and don't come back. Oh, uh, man. I think people are much more friendly in Tennessee than that, though. Yeah, it's been great down here. Like I said, I've moved here since 2014. And that's the one thing I did notice when I came from New York. I mean, everybody's awesome down there and I've got my friends. But in Tennessee, they have that uh, hospitality, that southern hospitality. So I'd just be walking along and people were like, hey, darling, how you doing? Like I was just like, wow, this is just a much nicer place. They're so cordial down here. Yeah, I noticed that when I was in Texas that... You know, that Southern hospitality, uh, everybody's just really friendly, even if yeah. even if they don't like you. And you can kind of tell when they don't like you. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I'm sure I got spotted with my California accent and all that. But, um, you know, I still got the, hey, hon, how are you, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you dirty liberal. <laughs> <laughs> hey, oh. I am not a liberal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm uh, one of the crusaders here in California. Yeah, even though we live in the communist country of uh, California, we 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 are trying to escape. Uh, I'd like to go to Tennessee. Uh, what, what do you call it when you when you leave a country? Uh, a refugee? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. We want to go into exile. Exile <laughs> yeah, from here. Yeah. So, but Matt, you're going back on tour. Absolutely, um, man. Some more dates with uh, Seven Day Slumber. Uh, how can they uh, find out about you? Are you Facebook, Instagram? Yes, uh, yep. Facebook and Instagram, Matt Sassano on Facebook, uh, and uh, Matt Sassano Music on Instagram. Also, definitely subscribe to my YouTube channel and um, stream me on Spotify. Give me that push that follow button, and there'll be more singles coming out in the in the coming months. Yeah, it's always a help. I say it every week. Hit the follow button, hit the like button, hit the share button. It all helps. And uh, one thing I noticed this morning, because I hit the follow button this morning, I was on Spotify and uh, uh, down there at the very bottom under, you know, the little description is the link to your Instagram and your Facebook. And I clicked on that and boom, there I was on Facebook. Oh, thank you so much, man. I've also got a personal page too, uh, Matthew Sassy Pants. So, I mean, I'm a personable person. If you want to chat with me on there, I'm always open to that too. All right, cool. And if he walks into your local uh, gas station, <laughs> where he is. Uh, yeah, don't throw anything don't at throw him. Don't throw anything at him. So, <laughs> hey, thank you, Matt, for uh, being on the show today. It was a fun conversation, and uh, it was nice getting to know you and uh, listening to your music. 
Hey, man, guys, thanks for inviting me. As a new artist, this means a lot. And, uh, yeah, keep spreading that word. It was an honor to meet you guys. And I hope to see you, not with my crazy hoodie on, but hopefully just, you know, at a show sometime. <laughs> All right. right. You guys we, take care. We're, uh, hang on the line a minute. We're going to do another song here, right? Yes. What? Oh, which sweet. one? Enough. Enough? Enough. Oh, cool. All yeah. right. Never enough. Enough. <laughs> enough <laughs> on the Rock Salt Musecast Experience. This is Chris with the band False Star. You're listening to the Rock Salt Music Cast Experience with Dave and Aaron. I hope you enjoy the show. Sweet baby little lambs of God. Rock Salt, I'm Dave Peril. This is Aaron Sound. And we've got new shows every week on demand on Spotify. Rock Salt Musecast experience with Aaron and Dave, and Aaron, um, you know, uh, well, I'll I'll uh, skip let, taking let, a dip in Lake Me, okay, and I'll let you take a dip in Lake Me, and we'll do an Ask Aaron today. Ask, ask Aaron. All right, Ask Aaron. <laughs> Three questions off the top of my head that you don't know because I don't know them either. <laughs> I'm making them up as I go along. Uh, that's how we do this show, Dave. Yep. <laughs> so we went and saw Ghostbusters Afterlife last yes. night. Yeah. And uh, there was a record-setting 30 minutes of trailers leading into the movie. So when it says get there at 555 because the movie starts at 555, no, it doesn't. 625. <laughs> you got time to get your popcorn and everything. Oh, by the way, um, I took advantage of Cinemark's new... Uh, food delivery service for a two dollar fee where they bring you order your popcorn and everything online and they bring it to your seat and it was kind of cool for two bucks huh for two bucks yeah because i went in line and got ours <laughs> and i come back and i'm like there wasn't another line how, how did you get that and then so, my wife goes well he had his delivered yes so i was special dave, dave was showing off i was special um, hey, two bucks is two bucks, right? Hey, <laughs> I would have paid it if I knew. Why not, right? You don't have to stand in the line. All right, so we saw a whole lot of trailers. What was your favorite trailer that you saw last night? Well, maybe from a movie that I'm going to go see. Uh, um, the Kurt Warner. You want to see the Kurt Warner, Kurt oh, Warner movie? Oh, fantastic story. You know, they made uh, a Tony uh, Romo movie. Uh, yeah. But the, the film broke. <laughs> oh. See what I got to listen to, folks? Uh, Kurt Warner. Uh, I think it's called American Underdog. Okay. Uh, great story. If you don't know it, Dave. Uh, I don't know he, Kurt he Warner's was, story. He was the third string quarterback. And the second string quarterback was kind of a uh, younger player. And they were grooming him to be the starter. And I... Uh, and the starter got hurt in preseason. Oh. And they were like, well, we can go with this young rookie, but we have a veteran team. Uh, Kurt was, you know, a guy who played in the Arena League and and been around for a while. And just had, you know, what I call a cup of coffee in different for different teams. Right. And they're like, well, let's give this guy a shot. You know, we, we don't want to, you know, the veteran team will rally around Kurt Warner. 
And next thing you know, it was the what they call the greatest show on turf. Uh, they just went up and down the field. The incredible players. Uh, Kurt Warner, Hall of Fame. They have a wide receiver, I think, is in the Hall of Fame. And then the running back uh, will be in the Hall of Fame. And so just, just a, a great story. Won a Super Bowl. Fantastic. So, yeah. And he, he's not half bad. I think he's still on a, um, one of the NFL shows in the morning. Really good. Um, but during the show, what thing I like is is uh, his wife. You know, the, I hope the story is really accurate. How she just like you know, no, you need to go for your dream. And that's one thing I I like is is the woman behind the man pushing him like, hey, you know, I know you want to support the family, but you need to get your dream going. And uh, phenomenal story. So that's out Christmas Day. Plan to go see it. All right. So number two. There was a really cool trailer for the new Spider-Man movie with uh, Doctor Strange and uh, you get all the different villains from the Spider-Verse and all that. What is your... By the way, Shane and I are already planning to go see this. Uh, we're, We're pretty stoked about it. What is your favorite superhero movie superhero movie to, to be honest I am not a uh, uh, you know a Marvel comic or you know the superhero fan um, I'm more into comedies or whatever uh, but I, I would say the first Batman with Michael Keaton yeah the you know, 80s with, Batman, yeah, with with Jack Nicholson. So Nicholson, I mean, he yeah, was, he was yeah, as the great, Joker. As a Joker, he was great. I did enjoy, oh, what was it, The Dark Knight? Yeah, with uh, um, Heath Ledger uh, as a Joker. Uh, yes. Yeah. See, that, that he really good. is my favorite Joker. Yeah, that was really good too. And so it would be the Batman thing. I mean, it, as a kid, I don't. You know, we were both in our fifties. Uh, you know, every afternoon, same bat time, yep. same bat channel, became a huge Batman fan. I've got Batman stuff all over the place. Yeah, so that would probably be my favorite. Now, there was another trailer for uh, another superhero movie, which is the animated uh, Super Dog movie. I forget what it's called. Super Pets or something like that. Yeah, with The Rock as one voice. and uh, Yeah, Rock uh, is Crypto and, and uh, uh, Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart. And, uh, yeah, that that one actually made me laugh. The trailer made me laugh. I was like, I think I'm going to go see that. Those two got, gentlemen have done a couple uh, movies together. Uh, have and they? So, yeah, they've been a great fit. So it uh, should be really fun. All right. Um, and uh, number three, out of, uh, yeah, I, I, I get it because I'm making this stuff up as I go along. So I'm, my number three question is going to kind of be like the number one question besides the Kurt Warner movie out of all that stuff I mean we saw the trailer for Scream we saw the trailer for the Super Pets and uh, Spider-Man and remember when the Scream came on I go oh no they're not doing another one. <laughs> oh, I was like I think wow it, I think it looks good my wife doesn't like any of them really uh, I, I love them and so it'd probably be just a you and me movie all right uh We'll, I, we'll I hold hands. Can, yeah. 
We'll cuddle up at the scary parts. <laughs> sure. I tell you what, uh, I I don't think I saw any of them in the theaters because I was like, okay, another scary movie. And then I sat like on TNT or whatever it was on, the first one. I was like, this is really good. And I laughed during the movie. Yeah. I, thought it was, I thought it was funny. Yeah, no, I mean? it's they, very clever. Yeah. And then I watched the second one, and then I watched the third one. And then when that trailer came on, I was like, they're making another one. I think you or Shane said, yeah, they're making making another one. And they brought back some of the original cast, which yeah. I think is great. First David Arquette's thought, in there. Courtney Cox is in there. Nev Campbell's in there. Yeah. And uh, they set it up, and so probably can do more of them oh yeah know, it definitely on. looks like they're trying to reboot the cast or the yeah. this, the franchise um which is not a bad thing because i mean seriously we're kind of lacking on some scary movies some good scary movies and, and even though i'm not a superhero fan too um you you talked to me this morning uh, about seeing it on imax i'm all down with that because i'm not a big star wars fan either uh, we saw the Star Wars on IMAX, and that was incredible. Yeah, it was awesome. It, it, it just makes it for a, a, just a, a better experience. Yeah, it's sort of like hearing a, a live album that's really good, and then you see that live album performed by it live in the by the band and it, it, the experience of it all. Yeah. So clearly, uh, that Star Wars movie. Um, was to me a whole lot better than seeing on a smaller theater and, and they actually made that movie i think for the imax effect and i hopefully uh they'll do the same thing with the new spider-man movie which now, will be the biggest movie of the year now what yeah the other um movie that trailer that we saw was the matrix which i gotta go back and brush up on my matrix because i'm not a huge matrix fan but i think they're good movies um I'm kind of stoked to see this one. I want to see this one. And so I want to brush up on it. But you you were mentioning, you know, seeing a live band and everything. And when the big theater sound was playing, uh, the Jefferson Airplane, you know, uh, uh, White Rabbit, I got a new appreciation for that song because it was just so clear and you could hear everything and i went wow what a that really is just a great song the way they put it together and everything i don't know if you didn't notice that i i noticed it i didn't notice it but i i, I can't uh, i'm not a matrix fan but it, the trailer was really good and all those who have followed the matrix is going to enjoy this one and i, I kept uh, me and wife had a discussion a while back about Keanu Reeves. Keanu. Keanu, I'm sorry. Keanu Reeves. How... I thought his movie career was done. Yeah, you know, me was, too. It was over. And then he uh, did the three... Uh, what was uh Oh, my gosh. Where they're just killing everybody. Oh, the John Wicks. The John Wicks. Yeah, he those are good movies. Wicks, and he, he's done The Matrix, which has been pretty popular. So, he's done. He's... I kind of want to see John Wick in The Matrix. Okay. Yeah. I yeah. mean, seriously. <laughs> I, I turned to her last night. I'm like, why haven't they made him a superhero? I mean, he would be great as a superhero. I don't know. But, yeah. uh, you know, I uh, I was not a big fan of Keanu Reeves for a long time because he always, and still, he always sounded like Bill S. Preston Esquire to me <laughs> in everything he did. Just like, whoa. <laughs> he, he, 
it, it got typecast. Yeah. And, and then the John Wick movies came out, which totally changed. Yeah. You know, and he did the Matrix. I think the Matrix came out before uh, uh, John Wick. But uh, yeah, it did. We, we actually, I didn't see the first two in the theater, John Wick. Mm-hmm. But when the third one came out, we we're like, uh, let's go see that. In the yeah. Theater. Yeah. And that was great. He's uh, the. And well, and I think you know, and, and that has a dog in it too. So you, you know, see? <laughs> telling you, man, it's the it's the good looking guy with with the if dog. If you can't get a good love story, get a puppy. <laughs> uh, so, all right, uh, great movies coming coming up in the next six time. months. Oh, yeah, it's, it's about time. Yeah, we need it. Uh, there, I, thirty minutes. I look back and I was like, "Man, thirty minutes of trailer!" But really, I wasn't bored the whole thirty minutes. No, it flew by. Yeah, and, and it was great. Sometimes you're like seeing a trailer and like, "Really? Can we um, just get to the movie?" Yeah, okay. yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it it was fantastic. Um, I'm glad in our area, movie theaters are coming back, and there was a lot of people in the theater, and uh, uh, hopefully, it'd be. Uh, helping the movie industry because i i love seeing movies in theater yeah exactly all right there we go ask aaron how was you. your dip in lake me oh it was, uh it was a little chilly but uh it warmed up <laughs> and so uh, <laughs> all right uh back with more on the rock saw musecast experience this is ralph from reborn and you're listening to a rock Souls musecast experience with aaron and dave Rock Salt Musecast experience with Aaron and Dave. Aaron, how was your Thanksgiving? Great. We went out to a local restaurant called La Seals here. And uh, my mom is in with my uh, down south with my brother. So my mother-in-law came with us and my two boys. And uh, I, I had some of the best brisket nice. I've ever had. So nice. Not a traditional turkey uh, dish. Yeah, we did the uh, turkey and ham here at my place. And um, I was just having, I was just having some leftover pie, some apple pie. You know, one of the great things about being an adult, Aaron, and there's not a lot, but one of the great things is you can have uh, pie and Pepsi for breakfast, <laughs> and nobody says anything to you. But you know, I was thinking about it. I got the Ford Food Groups uh, represented. I've got, uh, well, the crust is is like bread, right? And um, and then you got fruits because it was apple pie, and then I got sugar and caffeine in the Pepsi. <laughs> <laughs> the Ford Fruit Groups from Dave. Yeah, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun time. Uh, it's been a couple weeks since, since I've seen my mother in law, so we had a nice conversation, and it was great. My wife had the uh, they called the turkey feast, and that plate was just filled with just. It was like overflowing with food. Yeah. So uh, I told her uh, we're doing leftovers for dinner tonight. So uh, the, I'm going to enjoy another brisket sandwich. I had some brisket leftovers. So. Yeah, I'm going to get some turkey and ham going. Yeah. A little, little yeah, later. I did ham on Wednesday night, and then I got up in the morning and uh, cooked eggs and ham and hash browns, and uh, it was an enjoyable morning until uh, the Cowboy game started, and ah. that was not <laughs> – that was not very enjoyable to watch. Who did they? Who did they lose against? The Raiders. Mm. Yeah, I forgot to text Nancy. You didn't text Nancy about no, that. No, not at all. Because she but, would have said that you were giving her a hard time or something. Yeah, and so, uh, 
Yeah, the referees gave uh, everybody a hard time in that game. <laughs> Twenty-eight penalties. Um, I tell you what, no one as a referee, as someone who has refereed before, uh, no one is there to see you blow your whistle and throw flags. <laughs> And that's what happened. And you so, know, that's one of my problems with basketball. Basketball is a great game. But once the the game gets rolling and it's got some momentum, and there's a whistle. Got to have a free throw. Somebody did something to somebody. One of the greatest opportunities I had as a high school uh, basketball official, I worked with this guy who had done college or whatever. And so we get in the, the locker room before the game. And we're talking about the game and the teams. And uh, he goes, hey, let's not call a foul for the first two or three minutes. Let's let, let's let the flow of the game control. It, it, even if there's little touch fouls, let's, let's ignore it and get the good you know, f- flow of the game going. The kids, you know, playing yeah. basketball. One of the best games yeah. that I worked. It, it I was am- fantastic. We, you know... N- you know, the kids may have, like, you know, thought they got fouled in the first couple of minutes. And we just let that flow. And as soon as the flow going, I, I think we called maybe 15 fouls the whole night. Yeah. I mean, it, it was a great experience for everybody. <clears throat> yeah, that's the thing is is I am in support of, like, street basketball because those guys just play. Yeah. Is there a street basketball league? Like, is well, that a sport? No, Ice Cube started the um, the big three, three on three. Yeah, arenas and all that, and yeah. I don't think that they don't call very many fouls. They just kind of let the guys. Yeah, play. see, I that's the kind of game I want to watch. Yeah. Fighting in baseball, and no more fouls in basketball. Just let the guys play. Yeah, yesterday uh, they had made an announcement at church. Whoever wanted to come out and play a little flag football game on Friday morning, yeah, come on out. So I went out, and my wife said, uh, "You can't play." <laughs> So, <laughs> so that's a different conversation for a different time. But I was like, okay, honey, whatever. So they asked me because they knew I had officiated sports. They said, hey, you want to, you know, kind of run the game and set the ball and decide who's out of bounds or whatever. I said, great, but I'm not going to, you know, we're just going to play it like street football, you know. Like there was one time where the, the quarterback said hike and everybody ran. Everybody was off sides. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, this played over. No, no penalty. This played over. It's, you know, people hadn't played football in years, and it, I tell you what, the, the they did the like the extra point thing after touchdown, and uh, the team scored a touchdown with like 15 seconds left on the clock, and then they went for two because the other team was up one. They went for two for the win or for the lo- the loss, and they got the two. And and so uh, I, I tell you what, everybody had a great time. You just. Kind well, that's the important there. part, that's and it. nobody got hurt. I think they, when they were talking to people about the rules, they said, hey, number one thing today is everybody has a great time. And everybody did. Oh, it was hugs and, and everything going wrong. And so, then I rolled up to the game like, uh, you know. <laughs> yes. Climbing the way back machine, oh, Aaron. Yeah. yeah. You know. To 1992, November 92. And I just kind of picked these years at random, but uh, last week we had 2016, which we talked about our presidential election. And the first thing that popped up uh, November 92 was uh, Bill Clinton beating uh, George Sr. in the uh, yeah. election. And so, and, I, and I, you know Bill what? Bill is not my favorite 
president. But I tell you what, uh, there's a lot of people that made more money uh, during his presidency. And so uh, I made a ton of money during the Clinton years. So uh, even though he's not my favorite guy uh, and favorite president, um, we were uh, successful financially during yeah. those years. Yeah, he made a few good decisions, obviously. I am not a supporter of uh, NAFTA, but that was already a ball that was in play before he took office. He just signed off on it. Um, but, yeah, he had to have made some right decisions. I don't like uh, what he did with Monica, and I don't like what he did with a lot of women. And... Um, but for the most part, I think he did okay for the country. For the yeah, for the financial benefit of the country, yeah, yeah. And uh, he did uh, welfare reform. I too, I thought he, he, he kind of made people that uh, were living off others go get a job. And I thought that was really good too. Yeah. And so that he did. Uh, another thing that happened. Um, uh, Whitney had a one of her biggest hits in November. Uh, oh, I, Whitney I will, Houston, uh, the, the Dolly Parton cover. Uh, I will uh, always love you. I remember me and uh, Don, uh, my wife. Uh, we went to the with the, another couple. Went and saw that movie, opening week, opening night. Yeah, uh, me too. With Nancy. Yeah, hot and, garbage. Uh, I still watch that movie. I, really? I think, oh yeah. Uh, well, I love Kevin Costner, and so big, uh, huge Kevin Costner fan. And that that scene in the in the kitchen with the guy was mad, and. Uh, you know, him and Kevin were, were fighting, and Kevin takes a knife and kind of throws it right by his head, and he goes, don't want to talk about this again. You know? Oh, it was, <laughs> it was great. So, uh, great movie. Um, also, uh, one of my favorite uh, boxers of all time, Evander Holyfield, uh, he lost his heavyweight uh, belt uh, to Riddick Bowe. They had three uh, fights between them during those years and i think i paid for her all three of them <laughs> on pay-per-view it was the time where i would invite people over and we'd watch the fight um and another story took place and i saw this one i was like i remember this story nbc news uh they demonstrated how the general motors trucks would blow up or whatever had okay. some print problems uh yeah we're blowing up on impact and then we come to find out that uh, they were lying. They were setting up the vehicles wrong, so they would really, yeah. Imagine a news media organization yeah. lying to us. Well, I'm going to talk about that later. Like a, a fake, it's like fake news. Yeah, uh, I, I, you know, which our last president uh, described them. And then there was another story. Uh, we're in the middle of cancer culture mm -hmm. in here, mm -hmm. and the Oregon Senator Bob Packwood. Issues apology for unwelcome sexual advances. And if that happened nowadays, you would be done. But no, Bob, <laughs> Bob. Uh, so th that came out in uh, nine, November of 92. And then in January of 93, uh, he apologized for harassing <laughs> tw 23 women. Oh, man. And it wasn't until 95, 1995, where the Senate Ethics Committee voted 6-0 to ask for the expulsion of Bob Hackward. So the guy got... Like 50 years. women? <laughs> he lasted three years in the Senate after yeah. 
After at number forty, <laughs> at four at number forty nine, somebody went, "Hey, Bob, you know we need to talk." <laughs> yeah, so he lasted <laughs> three years. If that had happened nowadays, you would be gone. See you later. I well, mean, I mean, it, it took a while to get Cuomo out. Yeah, but it was like six months though. Okay, it, it was like six and he months. still won't admit to it. No, not at all. But he's gone. He 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 resigned before he was going to be booted. Yeah. Uh, so probably a good move. Yeah. And so I thought that was an interesting story. I was like, the guy lasted six years. <laughs> hey, it's like Marion Barry, man. <laughs> He's out there smoking crack with a prostitute. Uh, He's on camera, <laughs> and and they they elected him mayor again. <laughs> It's like, how bad did his appointment have to be? It's like the Portland thing. I mean, the mayor up there let them just burn down basically the city. Yeah, but the opponent was so much worse. Uh, So I had no idea who the, the... The opponent of Mary Mary was. I have but, no idea either. Probably, but, <laughs> but, but, but Chris Rock said it best back then, yeah. which was, um, he goes, look, if I, uh, if I get fired from McDonald's <laughs> for, for smoking crack, they ain't giving me my job back. <laughs> but Isn't you can poli- be, you can be the mayor of DC. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't politics grand? Yeah. And I looked into the the movies, the top ten movies. Okay, um, anything the good? First, the first one I can't pronounce, but Traces of Red was number nine. What's the first one? Let me see. Oh, uh, the, the number ten. What's the first one? Number ten. Oh yeah, I don't know what that is. That's I, like I, something I, in French. Yeah, and then Jennifer Eight was uh, Jennifer Eight. Yeah, that was, I remember. I remember that a little bit. Passenger 57, I think that was with Wesley Yeah, Snipes. I saw that in the theater. Yeah, that guy's been gone for a while. Hot garbage. Yeah. Uh, number six, I didn't have an interest, but I, I, I'm I, a big Denzel Washington fan. Malcolm X, he was in that. Yeah, I didn't see that. The Crying Game was number five. Didn't see that either. Dracula at number four. I didn't see that one. Bram Stoker's Dracula? I think that's, yeah. yeah. And then number three, the movie we both watched, um, The Bodyguard. Uh, <laughs> bodyguard yeah was number uh, three. you know there's certain movies that i'm not really proud to say that i've seen <laughs> especially in the theater will you be going to the uh dog uh the the new dog movie no <laughs> see there's certain benefits to um uh a long distance relationship <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Um, One of those benefits is I don't got to go see chick flicks. <laughs> <laughs> Home Loan 2 was number two. Yeah. So. Yeah. I liked all three of them. Really? Yeah. All right. I think they're doing another one, too. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Why? Yeah, I know. that. It, it, you know, but yeah. it, it was it was clever. Okay. And the number one movie, November 1992, Aladdin. Oh, what a great movie. Yeah, I saw which, that in the theater. Loved it. Yeah. Boy, I just miss Robert Williams. Yeah. Too bad he's no longer with us, but he was a special actor, special comedian. Yeah. And he was right for that role. Yeah, so absolutely. Did, did you see the other one that came out with Will Smith who played no. the Latin? I, I didn't bother. I, I didn't I didn't have any desire. Didn't either. bother. Now, I did see a, tra- not a trailer, but a poster at the movie theater last night um, for... It's just got a picture of Buzz Lightyear's chest, and it's kind of uh, it's kind of worn. 
You know what I mean? It's okay. kind of, uh, uh, you know, patinaed. Um, and it said something like May 22 or something like that. And I, I said to Shane, is, I'm like, are they doing a live action Buzz Lightyear? Oh, that would be fantastic. He goes, no, nah, it's going to be animated. And I was like, oh, man, a, a live action Buzz Lightyear movie would be fantastic. Not a Toy Story movie. Buzz Lightyear movie. My first, my youngest uh, kid, Jonathan, uh, his first words and beyond. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was. Uh, yeah, took, Shane was we, we, big we took, into Buzz Lightyear. Buzz and Woody. Oh, man, yeah, we, he had we, both of them. Yeah, we uh, we took uh, him to Disneyland and they had a Buzz show at Disneyland. Yeah. And they're dancing or whatever. And he is the kid. We got this on film. It's still, still on film. And he's down there. And he's like the only kid doing all the dance steps and stuff. <laughs> oh, it was great. So our. Um, Getting to the uh, top songs of nine, November '92, we got "Good Enough" by Bobby Brown. What okay. about "What About Your Friends" with TLC? Mm-hmm. "Real Love" by Mary J. Blige. Okay. Uh, "Rhythm Is a Dancer." Now I remember it's by Snap. Yeah. Uh, "Into the Road," Boys to Men. Okay. "I'll Die for You," PM Dawn. Love that song. Yeah, that was a good oh, song. Yeah. "Rump Shaker" by Rex and Effect. Yep. If I Ever Fall in Love by Shay. Yep. Okay. Uh, How Do You Talk to Angels by The Heights. I remember that. And then one song, I Will Always Love You, uh-huh. which was probably number one for quite some time. Yeah. During that time. It was everywhere. Did you watch the American um, Music Awards? No. And on ABC? I don't watch award show anymore. Well, we just kind of fast forward it. We, 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 it's kind of a game me and Don play. Uh, how many artists we actually know that's going right. to be on. And so they opened the show with, uh, oh my gosh, uh, Bruno Mars, uh-huh. his new group he's doing or whatever, okay. which was fun. Mm-hmm. But at the end, they brought, they did like the Battle of Boston and they brought New Edition and New Kids on the Block. Oh, really? Together. And each of them did like their own songs and then they kind of combined yeah. some and... It was, was like 10 minutes. It was great. Was and, Bobby and, Brown there for the new edition? Yes, he was. Wow. All of them were. Uh, nice. Johnny Gill. Yeah. All of them. And so uh, it was, they, they finally figured, hey, uh, we're broke now. And uh, these new kids on the block have been touring well, all around the world, yeah, making a lot you of know, money. Uh, it's our turn to make some money. So actually, next year, uh, new edition is going to be touring in 2022 as the group of six. I mean, I, I guess I don't just think, tour I don't, with new kids on the block. That that would be great, but I think they're going to do their own headline thing. I would be willing to go. I just want to know who the, well, the, I'll tell the, you this. I saw Bell Biv DeVoe back in the nineties, right around 92. It probably would have been about 94 actually. Um, and uh, Bell Biv DeVoe came out of, new edition i don't know if you knew that aaron yes i did but um poison yep they were they were talking about a new edition reunion back then and uh i don't think it ever really got off the ground they so. don't get along yeah they, they don't you know when they broke up it, it was kind of a a break yeah you know Bobby. Well, you know what i say is uh it, 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 there's people i don't get along with that work too <laughs> just show That's up it. and do your job. <laughs> I, I don't think that like we're gonna see Motley Crue next year. I don't think they all like no get along. In fact, I was listening to a song of theirs uh, uh, last night, and uh, 
uh, they Vince sings in the song. We don't love each other. <laughs> and but you're about to make a lot of money. I mean, New Kids on a Block and what's the other group? Uh, Backstreet Boys. Yep. They have turned together and made a ton of money doing yeah. it. And New Kids on a Block. Sometimes you gotta you know swallow the pride and uh, show up to work and everything. Yeah. But they they sounded great. And so it was ten minutes of of uh, early nineties. Joy, late eighties, nice. an joy on. Uh, so again, it was a great night. We enjoyed that. You can watch that on Hulu. Okay, uh, you can catch that on uh, demand on Hulu. And so for our uh, four from the top ten is uh, for Michael W. Smith, Steve Curtis Chapman, for him, Sandy Patty, and, and no Carmen. No, no, <laughs> she's the, she was on the eighties. She on the eighties, not the nineties. But I tell you what. This 92, uh, it's a song from, um, I think, all Out of This World uh, from Michael D. Smith. We saw that tour. We saw the Great Adventure tour on 92 with Steve Curtis Chapman. We saw Carmen during that time. I, man, me and we had no kids, and me and Don saw a lot of shows. Yeah. So, uh, so it, it was a great time of music. It's where we first heard uh, with Michael D. Smith, DC Talk. They had the matching outfits and pop music going along, and then they started this grunge thing later on. But it, that, during that '92, I tell you what, I think we probably went to ten to twelve shows. Wow! During that time, you know, because Carmen was touring for you know basically free, you know, just a donation at the door, mm-hmm. and so I think Petra was probably even touring still at '92. Yeah, so, with John Schlitt. Yeah, yeah. With John Schlitt and all that. So, great time. So, and uh, enjoy these uh, next four songs from uh, 92 on the Rock Salt Musecats Experience. Hi, it's Peter from Pizza 118 from the UK. Um, check out Rock Salt Radio Podcast. Rock Salt Musecast Experience with Aaron and Dave and uh, fresh off... Seeing Ghostbusters Afterlife. Now, Aaron, don't... Who you going to call? Yeah, don't give anything away about this movie because I, I want people to go see it. And so I don't really want to talk about anything in depth about the movie. But well, you showed me this trailer. It was supposed to come out in uh, July of 2020. It yeah. was that was, You showed me this trailer like in February of 2020. Hey, look at this. Uh, or, you know, because you're a Ghostbusters fan, yep. you're like... Man, this is going to be a great movie. This is going to be a good story. And then because of the pandemic, they held it to yeah. be a national release. And I tell you what, I mean, the theater last night was uh, more than half full. Yeah, it was about um, 75%. Yeah. And then, you know, and Patrick last week, who we had on from uh, Three Days Under, mm-hmm. he talked about it and said it was a good movie. And we were like, no, don't, 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 don't yep. tell us anything about it. And we won't spoil anything for you. But, I, one thing I liked about it is they just really had uh, some original themes yeah. in this movie. So I won't give what what it is, but a lot of times when you see the updated version, uh, they run it by you know what I liked different about, gadgets. Yeah, you know what I liked uh, about this movie was technology had caught up to what they wanted to do. And so everything looks much better. Yeah, we watched the first one yesterday in the afternoon, and the graphics were, you know, they they were 
1984 graphics. Yeah. And the movie was definitely the graphics were updated. Yeah. They looked better, but they didn't like change. They just made everything sharper and crisper. They didn't make, they didn't change anything. Yeah. The look of Ghostbusters is still there. Yes. It's just that, uh, um, everything looks much clearer. And like I said, technology caught up, you know, so things, I don't know. I don't, I'm trying to do it without giving anything away, but it just looks better. Yeah. I mean, you could find out about it. I mean, the original cast, um, was, was, was involved in the movie. Yep. We won't say what like this. And and, you must uh, watch all the way to the end. Yes. After the credits and everything. Oh yeah. Oh yes. So it, it was, it was great. Um, you were so right. Um, I'm not a huge Ghostbusters fan, but uh, very enjoyable movie. Yeah, and I I'm kind of hoping that it reboots the franchise. So you want another Afterlife? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, I would love to see a new team of Ghostbusters. I I think that would be great. Do you think uh, Dan Aykroyd and and Bill Murray were like, no, you know, okay, you pay us a bunch of move, money, we'll we'll be involved. You think they were like, you know, we we've grown past this. We don't want, or you think they were like, this is fantastic. Well, I think that um, this has always been like Dan Aykroyd's baby. He loves Ghostbusters, and he loves that he was a Ghostbuster. I think, I think he loves it. Um, I had heard that long before uh, Afterlife, you know that. They wanted to do a third movie, but Bill Murray just wasn't on board, and it created tension. And yeah, look, I thought there was a third one, um, but then I read that they had canceled it. Yeah, uh, they they had got all the money together and all that, but then shut it all down. They weren't going to do it. So. Yeah. So so uh, you know what? Timing's everything. Maybe maybe they needed to wait. Now was he involved with the one that was just horrible? Dan uh, Aykroyd was. I don't know if he was involved in writing it, but I know that he was. This is kind of funny. He was, he was out there on the press junket, just pushing it, pushing it, pushing it. Oh, this is a great movie, and now you fans are gonna love it, and blah blah blah. And then after the movie came out and tanked, um, he went, "Yeah, it's a horrible movie." <laughs> <laughs> was he involved? Do you know if he was involved or not? I I don't know. I don't know. I do not know. There goes my computer. Yeah. It, I tell you what, though. He was clearly involved with this movie. Yeah. And it was fantastic. Yeah. And in fact, uh, um, he was one of, the, one of the producers or directors of this of this movie. And so, because I don't think he was involved with producing or directing the uh, first two. But Yes, uh, he was. He was? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. He was involved. Well, I know he was involved. I, I, so, did he help write? Yes. First couple. Okay. Yeah. So he was involved. So it it what Shane? What? Shane says Ghostbusters is all Dan Aykroyd's idea. Okay. Uh, I don't know, but uh, Shane, uh, your dad uh, said he would like to see another uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife movie, no, part two or whatever. Are you are you down with that too? Okay, Shane. Shane's not committed to that. Well, that's okay. You know what? Um, the characters in this movie, beyond the Ghostbusters, the characters, 
that you're introduced to are uh, very likable. You know how you see, you know, a, a movie like Ghostbusters that you, uh, um, you just love, right? And they make another one, and it's new characters, and you're yeah. like, ah, yeah, it's not any good. Um, these no, kids these, were likable. Yeah, all the characters were very likable from the get go. Shane, we did a ask Aaron, and uh, your your uh, your dad asked me what was my favorite trailer that played the thirty minutes of trailers that we saw that were very enjoyable. Uh, besides the Spider Man one, because I know you're you you guys want to go see an IMAX. What was your favorite trailer besides that one? Uh, the Uncharted actually didn't look that bad. Which one was that one? That was the one before the Spider Man. That's kind of the Indiana Jones one. I don't remember that one. Oh, okay, yes, I remember Uncharted. Uncharted. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, because I, I, I thought it was like National Treasure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, UnchartedMovie.com. If you want to check it out more. Yeah, so. I forgot about that one. And so, yeah, there were so many. You know, thank you. Those are the two main ones I remember. I don't remember much of the movies that were in the trailers. Excited about the Spider-Man movie? Of course. Okay. Of course. That's, now, a, that's I, a big one. I had no idea who the, the new Spider-Man guy was. Has he been doing a couple of them already? Is this new to him? No, this is the third movie with this. The, this the kid, okay. You can see I haven't watched any yeah. of the movies with him. So I was like, where's Tobey Maguire? Actually, yeah, you think Tobey's going to come back? Yeah, at, the, at this point, the way the movie's setting up, they're going to have all three Spider-Men and then a few villains from each movie. Now, did you so. see Spider-Verse into the Spider-Verse, Aaron? No. Oh, that's that's a great one. That is really a good movie. You got to see that. It's okay. animated, but it's it's so good. I didn't expect much of Into is the it, Spider is Verse. It on Hulu or Netflix or anything like that. It might. Be I on think Disney. it's on Max. Max. Okay. No. I. Because no, I, I, it's a Sony property, oh. so it's not going to be on Max. It's gonna it's be- on one of the streaming services. Okay. I know uh, that. I will check it out before uh, that we go see. Yeah, because uh, in in this particular movie and into the spider-verse it's animated and they have all these different spider-mans from all the different universes you know and uh they even have nicholas cage as a like a 1930s spider-man and he's drawn in black and white and everything yeah uh, which is really cool so uh it's i didn't expect much and it is great yeah so it's on hulu it's on Hulu. Okay, on I'll, Hulu. I'll have to check it out. Um, and we were just having this discussion about the new Ghostbusters movie, Afterlife. Um, recommend it to friends? Yeah, of course. Okay. So, did you, you think did, it's a good follow up to the first two? It's a good. It's a good fourth movie. Yes. <laughs> um, um. Yeah, it's a good movie. Um, well, we don't count the third one. Well, I'm not counting the third one. <laughs> the, technically, the video game is the third movie. Oh. So. I didn't know that. I yep. didn't know that either. I'm well. Oh, I, I can't say it yet. I have okay. to. I have to wait until people see the movie and stuff like that. Go see it. Yeah. Go see it, people. It's, it's really good. Uh, Patrick was so right uh, about that. So yeah, when we talk to him. He, if he recommends a movie, we'll we'll have to go. But yeah, definitely. <laughs> and and then we'll we will talk about uh, um after the first year our show after. Uh, after we see Spider-Man, we have to talk about talk about that. So, yeah. Especially for someone like me who's not a big superhero Spider-Man fan. Um, but I'm looking forward to seeing Yeah, I think it. this and, one's going to be awesome. Yeah. It, it looked, the trailer was just incredible. Yeah. And so, uh, 
you know, I can't wait. Yeah. Also, I saw a poster for the Batman, the new Batman. Have you seen the trailer for that? No, I haven't. <sighs> I want to see who, the new Batman. Who's the new Batman? Who's the new Batman, Shane? Uh, Robert Pattinson. Yeah, I don't know who that dude is. No. But he... I always liked that, though, that they introduced a new actor as a new new character. But this, uh, this Batman looks like a, a gritty street vigilante Batman. Which was the comic book Batman. Wasn't it? The Dark Dark Knight? The Dark Knight? Dark Knight. He was still, I mean, I'm sure he's still Bruce Wayne rich guy in this one, but this one is much more street. Okay. It's much more street. The the Dark Knight was more polished. Okay. But it was darker. This one's like gritty. Okay. New new Batmobile then? Yes. A little street. Yeah, street lane. Yeah, because it looks like a uh, it's a muscle car. Wow, it's so it's not the sleek. Have you got the Hot Wheel yet of it? Or are they? Right. Come yeah, out I've yet? got a few of them of, your, of, of, of the new. Of <laughs> yes, the new, what the new one, the new yeah. Batmobile looks like. Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll uh, uh, when we finish this break, I'll go get it and I'll show you. Okay, that would uh, be great. So, but everybody out there, um, go see the Ghostbusters movie. It's fantastic. Afterlife. Yep. All right, back to more. With, oh, oh, we got to play it after we talked about it. All right. So, you're going to do some uh, Ghostbusters? Oh, yeah. Who are you going to call? And Ghostbusters. <laughs> On the Rock Salt Peace <laughs> Cast Experience. Hey, this is Steve from the Ward 66, and you are listening to the dynamic duo of podcasters, Aaron and Dave on the Rock Salt Radio. Rock Salt, Dave Peril, Aaron Zown. Hey, Aaron, where can people contact us? On our email at rocksaltradio at gmail.com. Rocksaltradio at gmail.com. Rock Salt Musecast Experience with Aaron and Dave. And uh, it's last break of the day. Normally we do, uh, you know, a little wrap-up thing, but... We talk about how great our show was, and then you go, well, I don't know. And we, we sound like the old guy from the Muppets, you know, going back and forth. And then at the end, we're like, oh, it wasn't really good at all. But uh, but you you came with me, the story about uh, Kyle Rittenhouse has been a, a national story. Yeah, so I want to talk about Rittenhouse, because I think this is important. I just kind of wanted to... I mean, the get- guy's gonna, not going to be rich after he... Oh, I think he's going to be super wealthy. Yes. Uh, um. But I'll get to that in a minute. Um, You know, I'm one of those people that I want to see the trial. I want to see all the evidence before I, you know, judge somebody. I want to, and, you know, like when I watched the Derek Chauvin trial, I had all these preconceived notions from the media about what happened. And it wasn't until I saw the trial and I saw some of the video that I went, wow, this guy needs to go to prison. He did some bad things. Um, now, with Kyle Rittenhouse, I watched the trial and purposely turned off the media because I didn't want to be biased in any way. I just wanted to see the trial and see the evidence for myself. And... Um, uh, I spoke to some attorney friends of mine about it, and I've listened to uh, Mark Garagos and also 
Um, oh, the guy from uh, the Dream Team, hmm. Dershowitz, Alan Dershowitz. Who? I mean, can you think of two better lawyers in America? No, it, I mean, if you're going to talk about team. yeah, if you're going to talk about legal ec- experts, you're going to talk about Alan Dershowitz and and Mark Garagos, right? And I'm sure they were watching the whole trial too. Oh yeah, yeah, they were. Um, so. That's how I base my opinions and uh, what I saw. But one of the things that really, really upsets me, and it's upset me for even in my time in the media, is that uh, things are spun and uh, facts are left out or manipulated. or and, and it's like, could you just tell the truth? I mean, is it so hard to tell the truth? Is it so hard to report the facts? I know life is boring and... Uh, News agencies rely on ratings. I get that part of it. But really, is it so hard to tell the truth? So there was a lot of, I mean, I didn't watch the trial. But again, there, if they would just said the facts of the trial, still there'd be a lot of interested viewers. I mean, again, it was a very fascinating story about this young man who was helping out a local business. Um, when uh, people were burning down Kenosha. Yeah, so um, regardless of how you feel about it, um, I wanted to go over some of the the facts. Now, I got this from another podcast I listened to, which is the Dan Bongino podcast, and he recommended this article. Um, the 10 Heinous Lies About Kyle Rittenhouse Debunked by Miranda Devine. Now, this was in the New York Post. And uh, I'm gonna, I'm just going to read her article here. It says, Of all the willful lies and omissions in the media's coverage of the Steele dossier, Brian Sicknick, uh, the Covington kids, Jesse Smollett, the Wuhan lab, Hunter Biden's laptop, and so on, nothing beats the evil propaganda peddled about Kyle Rittenhouse. They try to make the Rittenhouse case about race, but it's about class punching down at the white working class son of a single mother because they don't see him as fully human and it makes them feel good. They lie about him because they can. The central media narrative is that Kyle Rittenhouse is a white supremacist whose mother drove him across state lines with an AR-15 to shoot Black Lives Matter protesters all lies. A white Trump-supporting, MAGA-loving, Blue Lives Matter, social media partisan 17-year-old picks up a gun, drives from one state to another with the intent to shoot people was typical from John Heilman, MSNBC's national affairs analyst. Why do they have the national affairs analyst on... eh. On this case, yeah, I don't know. Whatever. Um, so let's go through the 10 lies about Rittenhouse debunked in court. Number one, he killed two black BLM protesters. All three of the men he shot in self-defense during violent riots in Kenosha on August 25th last year were white. Correct? Yes, that would be correct. All right. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know how hard it is to, to realize that. They were white. Yeah. Um, number two, he crossed state lines. He lived 20 miles from Kenosha in Antioch, Illinois, with his mother and sisters. But his father, grandmother, aunt, uncle, cousins, and best friend live in Kenosha. He had a job as a lifeguard in Kenosha. 
and worked a shift on August 25th before helping clean graffiti left by rioters at a local school. There, he and his friend were invited to join others, uh, other adults who had been asked by the owner of a used car lot in Kenosha to guard the property after 100 cars had been torched the previous night. When police abandoned the town to rioters, Kyle took his gun to protect himself since the rioters were violent and armed, including, for instance, Antifa medic Gage Grosskreutz who lunged at him with a loaded Glock pointed at his head before he was shot in the arm. Now, uh, if you watch the trial, you'll know that uh, Gage testified that he pointed the gun in his face. So that's why Kyle fired. Number three. Rittenhouse took an AR-15 across state lines. Esquire accused him of, quote-unquote, terrorist tourism. Well, they knew that was against the law. That's why they were trying to promote that. Right. And they acted like, oh, oh, we didn't, we didn't know that was a law or not. Yeah. And they tried to play that off. And actually, that was illegal. And he didn't do that. Now, no. did Rittenhouse know that was against the law? I don't know that. But he didn't do that. It doesn't he, matter because it didn't right. happen. It, yeah, that's right. Uh, the, the statement's false. And his rifle was kept in a safe at his best friend's stepfather's house in Kenosha. That came out in the trial. Um, the gun was illegal. Wrong. Under Wisconsin he was uh, law, he was entitled to possess the AR-15 as a 17-year-old. The judge dismissed the gun charge, which the prosecution never should have brought. And uh, now, for some clarification on this, and I'm quoting off of uh, Mark Garagos, uh, the the way the law is written is confusing. And the judge even said, uh, you know, this is a bit confusing, but it's not up for us to interpret it. You need to, you know, take that up and have the law clarified. Um, Mark Garagos has said that when those cases arise where it's not clear, um, it goes to it goes to the defendant. You you err on that side. Err on the side of caution. Right. So, um, number five, Rittenhouse mother drove him across state lines to the right. Wendy Rittenhouse, forty six, never went to Kenosha. She slept late the morning of August twenty fifth after working a sixteen hour shift in a nursing home near her home. In Antioch, she told the Chicago Tribune, Kyle had already gone to his job in Kenosha when she woke up. Number six, he was an active shooter who took his gun to a riot looking for trouble. A 17-year-old kid just running around shooting and killing protesters, said MSNBC's Joe Scarborough, who drove across state lines with an AR-15 and started shooting people. On Friday, after evidence in court already had debunked his talking point, Scarborough called Rittenhouse a self-appointed militia member, unloading 60 rounds. Oh my gosh, I, I didn't even know that. When the defense called out the lie in closing arguments, Scarborough had the gall to tweet that he was embarrassed for the lawyer. So double down on the, uh, on the lie and say that you're embarrassed that somebody caught you in the lie. Man. Um, 
Number seven, Rittenhouse is a white supremacist, as then-candidate Joe Biden labeled him in a tweet showing the teenager's photograph. When White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki was asked to explain why recently she slightly slimed Rittenhouse again without naming him as a vigilant vigilante. Uh, you remember that that uh, campaign ad, don't you? Which one was that? The one where Joe Biden uh, labeled Rittenhouse a white supremacist. I, I don't remember that exactly, but I know his after the the jury found him not guilty in all charges. Joe Biden didn't really help yeah. matters at all. Yeah. Yeah, he really should have just kept his mouth shut. Um, In one story, The Intercept used the term white supremacist 16 times. The accusation has become holy writ, but there is zero evidence. The FBI scoured Kyle's phone and found nothing about white supremacy or militias, the court heard. All they saw were pro-police, Blue Lives Matter posts from a kid who had been a police and fire department cadet, wanted to be a police officer or a paramedic, and once sat near the front of a Trump rally. That was enough for the media to brand him a white supremacist. He was helping a friend. Yeah. I mean, that, that's really... He was helping I, his community. That's right. He, <laughs> he had been asked to help, and he thought, you know, I'll take this legal firearm to protect me, and he actually needed it. Yeah, it's a good thing he did. Yeah, I mean, he could have been, you know, oh, this uh, poor white kid uh, who was defending his community is, uh, you know, now now dead. Yeah. Um, he, he's alive because uh, he was smart enough to, to bring something that would help him pr- protect himself. Yeah. And his friends. So number eight, he flashed white power signs with the Proud Boys. After spending three months in jail, Kyle was freed on $2 million bail two days after his 18th birthday last year and went to a bar for a beer with his mother and other adults, which is legal in Wisconsin, Aaron. He posed for selfies with uh, strangers at the bar who the media say are proud boys and was pictured making the OK sign with his thumb and forefinger. The false claim that this is a white supremacist sign comes from a 2017 hoax on the website 4chan. To punk liberals who keep falling for it. <laughs> Biden uses the. And they do. Yeah, they fall for it all the time. Biden uses the gesture frequently. It was unwise to pose for the photo, but it does not mean Kyle is associated with white supremacists. He wore surgical gloves to cover his fingerprints. <laughs> this has got to be one of the dumbest ones. The, this pearl was spread by Matthew Modine, another celebrity big mouth. Kyle wore gloves because he was giving first aid to protesters. His face was bare, so he hardly uh, was hi- hiding. <laughs> he didn't yeah. need to hide fingerprints. He didn't have a mask on. He bought them to protect himself. Yeah. Uh, And then finally, number 10, Judge Bruce Schroeder is a Trumpy racist bias toward the defense. This is another good one. Um, This slur is based on the fact that he would not let the prosecution use the term victim. Now, I want to clarify something. Um, I I spoke to my attorney friend about this. Mark Garakos also said the same thing, which is uh, in a case like this, you have to prove the crime. And if they're, if you can't prove the crime, then there's not a victim. 
And that is the reason that they didn't allow them to be called victims because they were in court to prove a crime. Yeah, the judge said if you can prove they're victims, uh, you can use that. Yeah. Um, but they, they knew they weren't able to prove it. Yeah. So this is common practice when the jury is not ruled on a case. He told a lame joke about Asian food for lunch being held up by the supply chain crisis, and his phone's ringtone sounds like a 1980s ditty played at Trump rallies. Ridiculous. In fact, Schroeder is a Democrat, has run as a Democrat for the Wisconsin State uh, Senate, and was first appointed by a Democrat governor. Bias was also perceived in what the Chicago Tribune said was his highly unusual decision to allow Kyle to draw names randomly out of a container at the end of the trial to determine which 12 of the 18 jurors would decide his fate. It's something this judge always does, he told the court. Now, um... On the second day of jury deliberations Wednesday, the judge rallied against media uh, distortions, although he seemed most aggrieved about attacks on his reputation rather than Kyle's. He threatened to stop trials from being televised, but that's, the, but that's exactly the wrong uh, solution. Uh, only because the public was able to hear the evidence for themselves did they become aware of the malevolent dishonesty of the media coverage which has threatened a fair trial and ensured riots if kyle is justly acquitted so here's we, we know the media has been dishonest for quite some time oh, in, in my opinion for years but the problem i had is the prosecutor i mean he he clearly was trying to be dishonest uh mischievous and to me he should be disbarred and never allowed in a courtroom again. I, I think that should go for all prosecutors. Yeah. If you, uh, Kamala Harris, if you are manipulating uh, evidence and you are manipulating that trial and the facts to just so you can win, then, uh, yeah, you have no business being in that position. You should hunt out the truth. And just like that videotape, that he's the video he sent them where it was so grainy. I would never use that on our show or YouTube channel, something so grainy. Yeah. Like that. And and go, well, it's it like a simple mistake. Yeah. Whatever. And then show up in court with the with the high def version of it. Yes. I mean, come on. Do you think his attorneys are so stupid to allow you to, to put that in court? He knew exactly what he was doing. Yes, and he should be fired. Yeah, he knew he, exactly what he was Rittenhouse doing. Rittenhouse has called him out in the last couple of days. Basically, he was trying to make a name for himself. Well, you did, pal. Well, here's, Loser is your name. Yeah, here's what I... Uh, yeah, and I'm sorry, you are going... Binger is going to go down as the loser. Yes. He, he goes down as the loser. I don't know uh, Rittenhouse's attorney's name. But um, he's definitely a guy I'd love to interview. Yeah, CNN already has a loser. Uh, I'll interview uh, Binger too. Yeah, the, bring the, him on. Uh, the, uh, <laughs> uh, lo, lo, CNN already has a, a loser uh, court analysis or whatever. So there's who, no who job. Joy Reid. Yeah, the, oh. the, that you know. Whoever, she. I mean, have, have you seen have a, her stuff? Well, they I have mean, an attorney expert on CNN oh. and MSNBC, so there's no job for you there. But he was just trying to make a name for himself, and he he's done. Yeah, he yeah he's not going to go the Marsha Clark route on this one. No. You know, Marsha Clark. Uh, say what you want about her, she did okay, even though she was on the losing side. 
Um, but she did okay because she went out there and did her job and she had the facts and she presented them and she lost, but so be it. But we don't look down on Marsha Clark because she lost the OJ case. No, she said there was a lot of evidence that the judge wouldn't allow. Yeah. And, and they, and they made some mistakes. Yes. And they admit to it. Now, Binger is not admitting to anything. Not yet. Um, and here's what I have to say, and I know I've gone on a little bit long, but, uh, for, for Kyle and for the American people, I think Kyle needs to sue all of these news agencies, every single one of these people and the state of Wisconsin who brought, who brought him up on false because, charges. because when you have the media out there doing this, if you let them get away with it then they will continue doing it but uh and and i don't i i, I want to give credit i don't want to say i'm stealing anything here but i feel the same way dan bongino he said uh, every time they got to whip out that checkbook they might think twice because i i i honestly i hope kyle rittenhouse put some people into bankruptcy i really do because what they did to this kid, he was a 17-year-old kid, and he made a stupid choice. He should have stuck with his partner that he was with that night, who was an adult, who was a military guy. Okay, he, he admits he made a stupid choice, and he wouldn't do it again. But he, he didn't break the law. He didn't break the law, and he was a 17-year-old kid. And shame on LeBron. Shame on, on anybody that was making fun of this kid crying. I mean... It's the rest of his life. He was looking at life in prison. It was the rest of his life, and he was 18 years old. So get get yourself the, uh, Kyle, get yourself the attorneys that the kid from uh, Florida, Sandman. the Sandman had, and, uh, you and know, go to town, man. Go to town. Go to town. Get yourself a good education Spank off of- Bank uh, every uh, single one of those yeah. news agencies. Get yourself a good education off the uh, money from CNN, MSNBC, and all them. And I would, I would sue the um, like Joy Reid personally. I would, yeah, absolutely, sue, yeah, sue her personally, and Let, and have sue her. Biden as well. Yeah, because he commented as a uh, public citizen before that. But. Yeah, I sure hope he goes to town. And honestly, I I hope he makes enough money that he can buy himself a nice ranch out in, in Nebraska or something like that, uh, with lots of land. And just never has to be bothered again. He can live his life however he wants to live it. One bit of advice, though, is is um, don't go into politics. If you weren't planning to go into politics, because I'm sure there's some people out there, oh, you ought to run for no. local congressman. Nope. If politics is, it was not in your nature before this incident, don't do it. I've heard you that know? he wants to uh, change his name so he can get away from all this. That might be a good idea. I, I would do the same thing. And... Uh, yeah, it, 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 my comment is on the media. You're there to report facts, and these 10 things were flat-out lies. Yeah, a couple weeks flat ago. Flat-out lies. Couple weeks ago, we did the top shows of, of the 80s. Uh, I think it was 84 or whatever, and 60 Minutes was in that top 10. You know why? Because everybody watched 60 Minutes because it was genuine, truth, genuine truth reporting was going on and not, it, not anymore no not at all it, it's it's 
you know, it's it's my opinion and all that. So, well, this has been a, a really good show, in, in my opinion. Uh, uh, talked about Ghostbusters Afterlife. Had uh, Matt Sassano. Yep. On Mr. Sassy Pants, uh, go check him out on Facebook and Instagram, and go if you're living uh, in a town that he's coming to, go see him in concert. Yeah, he just got off tour with uh, Seventh Day Slumber, yeah, and they're going to go back on tour for a few dates. So uh, again, go see him. I'm sure he plays local shows uh, near uh, his uh, town of Knoxville, uh, Tennessee. Go see him and support him. That would be fantastic. Absolutely. All right, and uh, with that, let's go, Brandon. And happy trails. Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is my friend. Jesus is a friend of mine. I have a friend in Jesus. Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is my friend. Jesus is a friend of mine. He taught me how to live my life as it should be. He taught me how to turn my cheek when people laugh at me. I've had friends before, and I can tell you that he's one who will never leave you flat. No! Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is my friend. Jesus is a friend of mine. I have a friend in Jesus. Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is my friend. Jesus is a friend of mine. He taught me how to pray and how to save my soul. He taught me how to praise my God and still play rock and roll. The music may sound different, but the message is the same. It's just an instrument to praise his name. Yeah. Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is my friend. Jesus is a friend of mine. I have a friend in Jesus. Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is a friend of mine. This is my-